Welcome to the Covert Narcissism Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Swanson. It would have been so much easier if he would have just hit me just once, but he didn't. It would have been easier if he'd just been a jerk to me all the time, but he wasn't. What would have been easier? To see the abuse. It would have been easier to identify it and to talk about it. It would have been easier then to explain it to others. It would have been easier to leave. Perhaps it would have been easier to not even be in the relationship in the first place. It would just be easier if they were an asshole all the time. But they aren't. There certainly were days where I thought to myself, this would be so much easier if he was just mean all the time. But he truly wasn't, and he still, in fact, he still isn't. He has good traits, too. He is charming at times. He is helpful. He is funny, even pleasant to be around. There is certainly a large part of the problem with the covert narcissist being so likable. These good traits can leave the victim in a huge quandary for years and even decades. Four and a half years out of my marriage, and this quandary showed up yet again, and I'm going to tell you about it today. I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast, and I cannot thank you enough for being here and being on this journey with me. So last week, our oldest son graduated from college. And of course, this brought all of us together for the graduation. I have not seen my ex-husband in quite some time, and I'm not even sure when the last time I saw him was. And we've been divorced for four and a half years and pretty much no contact. And here it came, graduation. Our son's graduation. I knew that we would be together. And in fact, we had a big group of us together. It was me, my parents, our youngest son, It was my ex-husband, his dad, and his girlfriend, and his mom. His parents have been divorced since he was 17, so that adds a whole other layer to this dynamic. But we would all be together to celebrate this time with our son. And I was certainly apprehensive about this time together. I knew my ex-husband and I would, I knew we would be courteous with each other. I knew we weren't going to make some big scene. This was going to be fine. I even knew that the various family members would all get along just fine. We're very capable of playing that part. But there was certainly a part of me that recognized, you know, it would just be so much easier to to accept the reality of where I am now if it wasn't just fine. So here came the day, the day of graduation. My ex-husband was kind. He greeted me with a hug and even a kiss on the top of my head, and it was sweet and it was gentle. He was courteous and respectful. You know, he he greeted my parents and was very helpful to them. They're elderly, and he was very helpful to them as they were, you know, moving around in these stadium seating. And he was conversational with them, asking how life was and taking what seemed to be a genuine interest in them and probably was a genuine interest in them. He was kind to our boys and willing to let them make the decisions about where to sit, where to eat you know, where to take the pictures afterwards. He was willing to give our young adult boys the room to be them, at least at the moment. We all ended up going out to eat together, which was not in the plans, by the way, but it happened. He came to me after the graduation had ended and said, hey, should we just all eat together? 
And I'll be honest, I did think that would be easier for our boys so they didn't have to you know, pick or feel bad that they weren't with one or the other. So we just went to the restaurant together and he was enjoyable to be around. Prior to going to the restaurant, my youngest son and I actually ended up having to walk slash jog a mile and a half to get the car so that my parents didn't have to walk. And it's a long story as to why this happened. And it certainly is not necessary for this story. Let's just say, you know, the shuttle system that they hired that day didn't really come through with what the plans were. So my son and I are now, you know, jogging back to the car a mile and a half back to get the car. And of course, what happens halfway there is it starts pouring down rain. And this part is, you know, pertinent to the story. It starts pouring down the rain. And so by the time we actually get to the car, we are soaking wet. And and my dressy jacket that I had on was just soaked. And so, of course, I took it off because I didn't want to be that wet, but I only had a tank top on underneath it. And uh, my dressy shoes, thank goodness they were flats that day, but they were also soaked, as were my socks. So I took the socks off. My feet remained soaking wet inside my shoes. And we go pick my parents up. And we head to the restaurant. Of course, we walk into the restaurant. And I'm going to tell you, the air conditioning in that restaurant worked just fine. So now I'm freezing cold. And I recognize I'm going to shiver through this entire meal. My ex-husband, who knew, okay, we've been married almost 21 years. He knew how quickly I get, I get cold. I get cold really easily, really fast. And in a very hesitant, gentle, and kind way, he came quietly over to me and said, hey, I do have an extra jacket in my car. If you're willing to wear it and want to wear it, I'm very happy to grab it for you. As much as I wanted to not only say no, I wanted to scream, now you've learned to be kind. I couldn't do that, and I wouldn't do that. I really was freezing, and it really was kind of him. So I simply said, that really would help. Thank you. Well, he darted out and grabbed the jacket, and I didn't shiver through the meal. I really was extremely grateful. And during the meal, he was funny and enjoyable to be around. Overall, it really was a good day. And I'm really glad of that. Yet when I got home, my heart was so full of very mixed emotions. In fact, I texted a good friend of mine and I asked, why in the world could my marriage not have worked out? Why could we not have found a way to get along? Why could we never find reconciliation? Well, you know, I definitely know the answers to these. I've been talking about it in podcasts for over a hundred episodes. I know the answers, but yet my heart still hurt because we could have had such a beautiful marriage together. It seems like such a waste of life, energy, time. I look back at all the ruined holidays and vacations and I go, what a waste. What a waste of time that could have been so good together. I look back at all the evenings in our home that could have been fine. They could have been good. They could have been positive and healthy. And they just weren't. So yes, I had a lot of mixed emotions in me that night. Well, the very next day, the day after graduation, I was quickly reminded why things would never work out between he and I. My youngest son went to dinner with his dad and grandma. And when he came home, I could tell he was in a bit of a mood. And when we had just a few minutes alone, I asked him what had happened. He said mostly everything was fine. But he said, you know, the, and the dinner was enjoyable and most of the conversation was good. 
But he said, you know, dad and grandma got to talking about politics. Oh, I just hung my head. I already knew where this was going. They certainly do not see eye to eye on politics. And in his usual way, my ex-husband started talking down to his own mother, making her feel small because she disagreed with him. He belittled her for her thoughts and opinions and talked down to her like she was a child. Then my son described that silent treatment. He didn't have to describe it long because we both know very well what he's describing here. These pregnant pauses between words that clearly communicate how unhappy I am with you and you are going to listen to me now. He holds these uncomfortably long moments of silence in a way that is controlling the environment and the other person. It leaves you feeling small and trapped. You are nothing more than a hostage in that situation, and it is incredibly painful. He has done this through our entire marriage, to me, to our boys, even to his own mother. And as my son described this dinner, my feelings from the day before evaporated. Clarity returned, and I was reminded yet again why our marriage was never going to work out. One thing that I could always count on during all of that time we were married was that his anger would always show its head again. Somehow, it would always come back. I always knew that it would. For nearly 18 years of my marriage, I recoiled at that anger. I hated it every time I did everything I could to keep it from showing up again. But nothing ever worked. By the time His anger would come out in any given situation. My fight-or-flight response had already been heavily activated. My system felt completely under attack, and I wanted to run out the door screaming. But, of course, I never did. For years, I fawned, doing everything I could to make him happy, which we all know fails over and over. I, I worked so hard to help avoid whatever situation might upset him. I apologized for things that were not mine to own. I apologized for not anticipating the problems quickly enough to keep them from happening, even though my mind could not possibly hold any more thoughts trying to figure out the right way through all of this. It was a constant state of hypervigilance and overload. And you guys already know that. Well, somewhere around the 18th year of our marriage, I started experiencing a new feeling when his anger showed up. I started feeling some gratitude. Gratitude? Why gratitude? Because it reminded me once again why I was so unhappy in this relationship. Why our home life was struggling so much. Why our boys were hurting. Why my mind was in overdrive. Why my system was in fight or flight all the time. It brought a little more clarity each time. Even to the very end of our marriage, I remember going through phases where everything just seemed okay, and we were getting along fine, and I could just kind of convince myself that none of this ever actually happened. He was courteous. He was thoughtful. In these phases, our marriage seemed relatively stable, maybe even normal. And these phases, at that point, you know, in our marriage, made me quite uncomfortable at times, especially later in their marriage, because they made me doubt myself. What if I'm wrong? What if our marriage isn't that bad? What if we could work this out? What if I'm seeing this all wrong? What if I'm making a mistake? 
But I do remember one day when it occurred to me that I really could relax, even in the moments of good times, because I knew without a doubt his anger was going to come back. And it was going to come back over a beasting. It was going to come back over a nothing because one to a hundred, all of that's equal. There is no difference between a stubbed toe and a broken arm. There is no difference between I moved his stapler and I totaled the car. The reactions are the same. And I could always trust that it was going to show up again. Well, here I am four and a half years out of this marriage. I haven't seen him in at least over a year. I don't know when I last saw him. I have not spent any significant time with him since the divorce. We spend that one day together for my son's graduation. And all of this came back. All of this came back in my head. The doubts, the questions, the hopes. And always the reminder. The reminder of why things were never going to work out. I sure think, you know, yes, it would be easier if they were just an asshole all the time. But they're not. So what do you do? What is the takeaway from this? Journaling certainly helps. Write down the events going on so that you can see the pattern. Take a list of all these traits of covert narcissism we've been talking about. And under each one, write little examples of how this is showing up for you. Get the clarity that you need. In your own head, not out loud, but in your own head, tell yourself, hey, thank you for the reminder. I really needed that. When, when the anger shows up and the bad behavior shows up, tell yourself that in your head. Okay, don't tell them, but to yourself, I really needed that reminder. Thank you. When the good times are there, enjoy the peacefulness when you have it. It is okay to be internally grateful for some long overdue peace, but don't get hooked back in. It's not a hook to think, okay, everything's okay. Everything magically got fixed. Then you might as well just be the ostrich sticking your head in the sand. Face reality, but it is okay to enjoy the moments of peacefulness while you work your way through your own healing journey. Just watch, observe, don't get emotionally connected. Remind yourself often, they will do it again. They will show that, that side of them again. They will drop that mask again. Become the observer, not the participant. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing. You have been listening to the Covert Narcissism Podcast with your host, Renee Swanson. Be sure to check out our website at www.covertnarcissism.com. There you will find many resources just for you to help you on this journey. You can also reach out to me by email at Renee, R-E-N-E-E, at cnglifecoaching.com. Those letters are CNG as in Covert Narcissism Group. I do look forward to hearing from you. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing.